Welcome to A Coach's Perspective. I'm your host, Jenny Hopkins. This show is presented to you by Great Southern Bank. They're our presenting sponsor. We're so grateful for Joe Turner, Kelly Polonis, all of the teammates over at Great Southern Bank. Great Southern Bank is serious about convenience with nearly 100 banking centers in six states, hundreds of ATMs and mobile and online banking services. You're always in touch with your money. Learn more at greatsouthernbank.com, member FDIC. We have other sponsors that we'll talk about throughout the show, including Highland Dairy, Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance, Bill Grant Ford and Bolivar Story Construction, West Logging, Greg and Melinda Burnett, and Springfield Yard Cards. All right, so we have a great show on tap for you tonight. I'm very excited about our lineup. But before we get to them, let's recap a little bit about last week. Last week, well, we thought we were going to have a celebration. We ended up having a therapy session. We had Kansas City Chiefs super fans on. And... Yeah, you know, it was uh, definitely not what they'd planned on, and that that's okay. Um, you know, they they did a great job of coming on the show and still showing appreciation. But what I liked about it is hearing the voice of a super fan, and I'm not talking about a fan that sometimes follows a team and sometimes cheers for a team. These were super fans that are invested in their program, and so it was very it was very nice to be able to have the super fans on. So thanks to Jeff Burnett and thanks to Steve Newman, I did appreciate uh, them being able to do that. Um, if you want to listen to that episode, which I'm sure you do, if you didn't catch it live, you can go to a coachesperspective.com and listen to it under previous shows, or you can go to Apple iTunes, Spotify, Verbal, or now on Helium Satellite Radio. Okay, look out. You won't believe who I have here in the studio with me. Or maybe you, if you follow Cliff Smart's Twitter, you will know exactly who's in the studio. And I'm very excited about this. I want to welcome straight out of the gate, um, back to the show because you were here in 2017, I believe. It's been a while since you've been here. Can't go that long, but I want to welcome President Cliff Smart from Missouri State University. Thanks, Jenny. And we have someone very special tonight that's also here in the show. This is the provost of Missouri State University, Frank Einhelic, is here. Thanks, Jenny. I'm glad to have both of you here. Um, Dr. Einhelic, I'm going to start with you, all right, Good. because you made an announcement not too long ago, something that is quite life-changing for you. And I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, you've been in your current position for 11 years. Um, but, you know, you, you are going to retire in June after a lifelong career in education. So the very first thing that, that I want to ask you is, what is it that you love about education? I love the fact that I get to work some wonderful people, both at the colleague level and with the student level. Uh, it's been a great, great pleasure and great opportunity for me in life. Uh, I simply, every place I have been, and this is my last place of 30 years, but I was here in education processes 31 years before that. And I've always worked with wonderful people, and I loved the students, no matter what age they were. I can tell you, doing my homework for this show, I was looking at your Vita. It's 26 pages long. <laughs> you have had a lot of experience. Um, it's only an hour show. I can't even begin to touch the accolades 
that you have um, that you've accumulated over the years. And I, I think that there's one thing to be an educator, but there's another thing to be an impactful educator. And I think everywhere you've been and in each position you've been, you've made it better and you've made an impact on people around you. And I want to congratulate you on that. Thanks, Jenny. I appreciate that very much. And, and I want to talk a little bit about um, Missouri State University. What were your first impressions when you came to Missouri State? And over your career, have ha- have we lived up to those impressions? Yes, we have here as a, as a total university. My first impressions were, and a primary reason I came, I saw a university that uh, was large, doing very well, but had great opportunities to build a future even beyond where the previous years had brought them. And I wanted to be a part of that. And I, I think that it has lived up to those expectations. As you know, I came here in a role that is different than I have now. I came here as um, a vice president for graduate education and research. And um, we built a lot of things. You have time. We'll talk. You, about you it. built a lot of things. How about how about you um, had a two hundred and fifty percent increase in graduate offerings in masters and doctoral programs? Is that st- is that stat right, President Smart? Make sure and check yeah, my homework. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, we've uh, you know just in terms of students, I would say when Frank came, we probably had about a thousand uh, graduate students, and this year we're over forty two hundred. We had uh, no doctoral programs this year. We have six, and we're working to add others, um, and on and on. And you said that you worked with a lot of great people? Yes. Do you think they feel the same way? (laughs) I hope so, and I actually have had a lot of uh, uh, positive comments uh, with the retirement statement. Now, I'm going to attribute that, not that they wanted me to go, but uh, (laughs) that they appreciated the time I'd been here. Well... I think that we we need a little more proof to know (laughs) that you're going to be missed and what they loved working. So um, I'm going to have our producer, Abby, um, is going to roll just a few messages that some of your colleagues have sent in for tonight. My name is Christy Graham, and what I loved most about working with Frank when he was my boss for almost 18 years was how ethical and fair he was in his decision making. He always thought through everything before he made a decision. What I will miss most is how he's done that on the whole university level and just his decisions are so rational and fair. This is Rachel McGinnis and I love working with Frank because he's really an encyclopedia of knowledge. What I'm going to miss most about Frank is is everything because he really is great to work with. Hi, my name is Michelle Olson. What I like most about working with Frank is it was his organization. He um, always was prepared and had things to us and plenty of time to prepare for whatever it was that he needed. Um, and I think I'll miss the most the support that he gave to IR and the encouragement and um, his happy face. Billy Masterson, and uh, I think one of the things that impresses me and has impressed me about Frank is his supernatural command of data. He always knows uh, the scenarios and what's going on. And he has this uncanny wisdom. I think that wisdom and his sense of humor, those are the things I'm going to miss most. The ability to just run down the stairs and be able to ask for important advice on a variety of issues. My name is Katrina Chavez. 
What I love the most about Frank is his willingness to collaborate with our office, the Office of the Registrar. What I'll miss the most is his wealth of knowledge. Well, my name is Peng Zhang. I work in the Office of China Programs, and I work with Dr. Dr. Frank Angelic for since I was a student worker here in the office. I uh, the most I like the most I like about Dr. Frank Angelic is uh, is his leadership and is and also his down earth leadership. He's such a people oriented leader and so caring about not only the work he uh, he loves and also the students he loves. Because when I was an international student here at Missouri State, um, and I just feel every t every time I talk to him, I feel like I talk to a a uh, like my father uh, or my uh, parents like who care about me far away from China is so they give you the very personal relationship and feeling um, when you talk to a leader. Hi, this is Jen Cox, University Space Manager and Director of Support Services. What I've loved most about working with Frank is his authenticity and leadership. I really admire uh, his leadership style and ability to listen to folks and provide um, good feedback. I'm really going to miss um, his warmth and genuine personality. My name is Rachel Dockery, uh, and what I uh, most like about working with Frank is that he always lives his convictions uh, and that his compass is pointed true north and he does the hard thing whether it's popular or not. Uh, and what I'm going to miss about Frank um, is that, that I think that that's a really rare quality anymore to find someone who always does the right thing uh, no matter what. And I'm also going to miss occasionally calling him Frank the Crank, which he told me was his childhood nickname and he lets me use. My name is Ryan DeBoof. What I liked about working with Frank was his warm, collegial uh, personality and his way of interacting with others. What I will miss about Frank is his friendship. It has been my great privilege to have worked with Frank for the past 10 years. I've learned more about integrity from him than any other person I've ever worked with. I'm gonna miss that a great deal and I hope that Frank will always be available to us as we move forward to build on his legacy. And my name is Chris Craig and I'm Deputy Provost. My name is Mary Lynn Golden. Um, I think I'm going to miss working with Frank the most is the sense of family he brings to our office and the amount of respect and support he gives me as his assistant and I will uh, miss most about Frank, just our everyday communication with each other and and his friendship. My name is Peggy Jones. Um, I loved working with Frank because he was, he made you feel as if you were um, a colleague and made you feel welcome. He gave, uh, gave you input that was beneficial and made you feel important. What I'm going to miss about him is everything. <laughs> Frank is a fun, um, intelligent person who makes life worth living. 
Well, Dr. Einhelic, I think that maybe we have the proof that you made a huge impact on not only the logistics at the university, but also on the people that you worked with. And so, um, you know, I, I, that last one, you made life worth living. Someone, one of your colleagues felt that, and I think that's a huge impact. And I want to congratulate you on not just your, your paper accolades, but the, the impact that you have made. Well, Jenny, you really surprised me with, with all these uh, uh, little tape segments that uh, I really don't know how I couldn't live up to all of that. But um, um, I'm glad that I answered you the way I did because it is the people that have really made a great uh, enjoyment to my career and to everything I've tried to do. There was one office I couldn't get in because security, red tape, you have there's an entourage you have to go through and that was President Smart. It's hard to get into his office. And so I I knew that he would be here tonight. And so before we go to our break, um tell us just in a snapshot. I only gave them 30 seconds. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds. What do you love about working with Frank and what are you going to miss most? So um Never done my job without Frank doing his. We started on the same day. Uh, we've been, I think, a tremendous team together. And I think many times I get success for the work that Frank and others are doing. Uh, I trust him. I've always trusted his judgment. Uh, and I'm just going to miss the day-to-day running of the university with my friend. I think that's well said. Thank you for sharing that. And I do think you're a dynamic duo. And this is a sports show. So we're going to talk a little sports. And what we're going to do is we're taking the angle tonight. This dynamic duo, they are the coaches of Missouri State University. And we're going to talk about what successful coaches do to build a program. And we're going to talk about how they relate that um, to running the university over at Missouri State University. So we'll take our first break. We want to thank Great Southern Bank for being our presenting sponsor. And we will be right back here with Dr. Frank Einhelic and... Cliff Smart. We'll be back on A Coach's Perspective. Coach's Perspective. I'm Jenny Hopkins, and this segment is sponsored by Highland Dairy. Highland Dairy, they are owned by dairy farmers, and they've been providing a great selection of nutritious dairy products since 1938. It's a proven fact. Scientific studies, professional dietitian, the ideal sports beverage recovery drink available to athletes after a workout is chocolate milk, and Highland Dairy has the best-tasting chocolate. They're a proud sponsor of A Coach's Perspective. We appreciate Greg Stevenson and all of his teammates over at Highland Dairy. So we are back here in the studio with uh, President Cliff Smart and Provost Dr. Frank Einhelic with Missouri State University. I want to start off this segment by thanking uh, Mary Lynn Golden. She was my cohort on getting some of those well wishes for for Dr. Einhelic. And I I want to thank uh, Mary Lynn. She's definitely been uh, someone that has been with you for a long time, and she thinks the world of you. And so I appreciated her assistance with that. Um, first, you know, I kind of, you know, I did kind of put you on the spot, President Smart, and ask you what you love about working with him and, and, and what you're going to miss. So now I'm going to turn the tables 
And now you have to talk about, you know, what is it that you love about working with him? Because we're going to relate this to, again, how coaches run a program and how you build. And so when you have a coaching staff, you have to trust each other. You have to work well with each other. Um, and I feel like you've had that relationship. But what are you going, what do you love about working with President Smart? And what are you going to miss? Well, you already started it with a few words there. Trust. <laughs> uh, I really trust uh, Cliff Smart. And I trust that... Um, he has the best interest of everyone, including me, and we're working towards the same end to make this university that we've uh, come to love uh, a better place that serves more students. And everything he does is pointed towards that end, as well as I really, really appreciate his personal goals. I think we you're able to uh, talk to one another. Um, on a one-to-one person basis, sometimes it's not about the university, and that is really a great uh, opportunity to have with your boss. Maybe we should talk about some of those non-university conversations. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> but that is the that is a great point. Um, sometimes when you work closely with someone and you have that level of trust, um, it becomes more you know of a human connection and not just a professional connection. And I think that's what's unique about your relationship. Yeah, and, you know, we try to, I mean, as you just heard, as people gave testimonials for Frank, that's how he runs his office. That's how I try to run my office. Everyone doesn't believe in that kind of leadership style, but both of us believe that it's important to have personal relationships with the people that we work with, that we can be friends with them after work, that we can see them in other surroundings and still enjoy each other's company. Again, that, that may create challenges in certain situations, but by and large, I think it is, uh, worked well for both of us. You know, one of the things Frank, uh, mentioned when you were talking to him that, that, you know, this is my last job. That's what he said. Well, this is my last job. And when we took these jobs 11 years ago, we knew that this was our last job. And so that gives you the freedom then to run the university, not trying to get another job. Right, not trying to be at a bigger university or or get a hal- higher salary or whatever, but it let us both focus on what's important here, and just try to make the decisions for what's best for here, not worrying about how it impacted our careers because we knew this was our last job. And frankly, it's very unusual to be in either of these jobs for almost eleven years. Uh, the average uh, tenure for each of us probably is in the five to six range for a president or a provost because they're hard jobs. And uh, to be together for that length of time is both unusual and I think has served uh, the university well. well. I don't think you could have given me a more perfect segue into what we're going to focus on as far as being coaches of the university because I do think those are characteristics that are appreciated by effective leaders. Um, in my opinion, um, Coaches that have strong programs do five things very well. And we're going to talk about those five things. And um, the first thing is they build a program with a positive culture. You have to have that optimism. You have to have that energy and that enthusiasm and that positive culture. And you've kind of already spoken to a little bit of that, of how of how you have that. But are there any other ways that you build a positive culture um, for your team at Missouri State? Um, I... First of all, I want to say in relationship, I'm not much on sports metaphors. I know this is a. I'm selling it for you, though, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You you really are. Uh, But it's a team sport here. And 
I know that little bit. You, you have the uh, coaching where it's one-on-one with an individual and their achievements. This is a team operation, not just between Cliff and I, but um, it's a team uh, activity. And to make that effective, um, I have found over the years I do a lot of listening. And um, sometimes I call myself the chief listing officer. <laughs> and I sometimes take too long listening to people, but I really gain from that uh, process. And I think they gain from the opportunity to express themselves. Um, Cliff and I work with people that uh, are very independent, um, intelligent, uh, have, have all kinds of credentials of their own. And um, if you can figure out, um, what indeed their strengths are, even if they all have the same titles at the next level down, they have different strengths. And that's, that's part of what I tried to figure out. And I, I think that, uh, it's also what I appreciate because, uh, it's not like you're a, a uniform monolithic uh, group that you're dealing with. I, you know, President Smart, you are very well spoken. I'm not sure you can top that answer. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. But anything quickly to add to that before we go to number two on the list? Yeah. So positivity. Uh, I think, um, my predecessor, who was here a very short time, um, was not a positive person. And the result of that was it can suck the life out of you. And, and because people, need the leader of the organization, the leader of the division to, to have a vision, to be positive, to be encouraging, to say, even when times are really hard, and they've been pretty hard the last two years, we can get through this. We can do this. We have a plan. Come on, let's work together. And then when people, then when you're successful, really important that you give your team members credit by name. Frank, you did a great job leading us through this and do it publicly. And at the same time, if things don't go perfectly, you have to be willing to then take the blame publicly for that. And the result of that is it creates tremendous loyalty among your team. They want to do well for you, and you've proven that you have their backs. And if you are listening right now, you might think you're listening to an athletic coach that's giving a pregame speech or, I mean, that parallels perfectly to what this show is about um, and how in in life you can use some of your skills you've learned from sports. um, But the characteristics that you all use as coaches of the university, that's very well said and perfectly, perfectly well said. Maybe, maybe he can top it. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, his comment on vision is right on target. Uh, You know, the old biblical statement without a vision the peace the people perish and uh, that that's certainly a factor in every time i have a new group of uh, department heads and leaders that's uh, i always give them a series of 10 words and say pick one that is most important and they're all important that i give them there's no throwaways right but i always hope when they come up with vision that is interesting. That's very good. I'm going to remember that in case he does that before June. <laughs> All right, we're going to take our next break, and we're going to continue talking with the leaders of Missouri State University and how they approach their roles similar 
to coaches and successful programs. So we're going to continue talking with President Cliff Smart and Dr. Frank Einhellick right here on A Coach's Perspective. Thank you again to Highland Dairy for sponsoring this segment, along with Greg and Melinda Burnett, as they support local and thoughtful radio. We'll be right back here on A Coach's Perspective. Coach's Perspective. I'm Jenny Hopkins, and this segment is sponsored by Bill Grant Ford in Bolivar. Hey, they know cars, they know trucks, they know SUVs, and they know how to keep their customers happy and loyal. I've been one of them for over 25 years. You've got to give Kelly Grant and Shane Rainey a call. They'll take care of you. They'll do a coast-to-coast search, and then we'll find what you were looking for and bonus in your price range. Give them a call at 417-326-7671. We also want to thank West Logging for sponsoring this segment. Go to westlogging.com. Contact Danny West for a free consultation. He's going to treat your land like his own. And we are very grateful as well to Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance as well as being supportive of this segment. So we are back here with President Cliff Smart and Dr. Frank Einhellig. And we are doing uh, kind of the parallels of coaching a university. And when you have um, successful coaches that run successful programs, in my opinion, they do five things well. And we already talked about building a program with positive culture. Um, the second one is that they obtain a skill set and knowledge in their particular area, and they make fair and consistent decisions. Now, there's a reason why both of those characteristics are in the same sentence and that is because I don't think you can make fair and consistent decisions if you don't have a skill set of that knowledge and the experience and so I think that is something that is also a positive part so how how do you all um, attain the knowledge and the experience that you need um, as leaders of a university you know Frank came to the provost position with 25 or more years of experience in academics so Frank's start off because that's the I've relied upon your skill set for uh, the past 11 years. Well, I think a, a major part of that in my particular case has always been that you kind of lived uh, the different roles up the up the way till, in fact, you were in charge of, of someone or some group. And so I always thought that um, my experiences at all levels really begin to bear on on the issues that you just mentioned. And those skill sets were in, you know, first being a teacher uh, and uh, then carrying that teaching role into something other than a classroom. And I carried it into research teaching and I carried it then on into the leadership roles of department head and where I am at the present time. And I, I think that uh, being a model uh, helps and it has helped me. Now, you obviously have a more narrow view than the whole university in your own discipline. And so you have to develop a good respect for all of what the other individuals do, even though they have some similarities. They're unique in what they're teaching, like voice or any things, you know, that I know very little about, and I deeply respect what they do. And so that's part of it. And you finished with the last part of, you know, honest and consistent decisions. You know, I do respect people enough that I'm not going to tell them two different things on two different days. And once in a while, I have to be flexible and realize I made a mistake or that we're going a different direction because conditions have changed. 
But I think that, um, you know, you want to establish that you are not infallible and yet you are not going to do any double talk along the way. We have to be humble. You have to be able to own some of that. That that gains respect within your stakeholders. You said earlier, President Smart, you asked, you said that, you know, if we do something very well, I'm going to give credit to my team. If we don't do something well, I'm going to take that heat. And and I think that's something that's really important as well. Anything to add to the, the knowledge and decision making? You, you know, and so, um, you know, as Frank and I have, have had the leadership roles at the university, my focus has been mostly external, you know, ad, advocacy fundraising, uh, community work, uh, policy at the state level, et cetera. Frank is focused internally. And over the time we've worked together, I've learned lots about the university. And so now I have a, you know, I'd been at the university about four years when I became uh, interim president, but I had limited knowledge of the real work of the university on the academic side. And so you know, I, I've intentionally set about learning that and then developing leadership as well. And I think that involves mentorships with people like Mike Nitzel, frankly, with people that reported to me like Frank and Jim Baker and others that brought real uh, experience and knowledge that, that we would share with each other. I, I've worked on reading certain um, leadership kinds of books. Never did that before I became president. Don't do it a lot, but you know, there've been several that I think have been meaningful. And so you do have to work to grow, uh, and become a better leader. And there are ways you do that by interacting with other people, by, by talking with your peers, by having mentors, by working with your team, by reading, uh, by seeing what the best practices are in the, in our state and in our country. And, and, and you work at it. And, and, you know, I think I'm a better president today than I was 10 and a half years ago when I started. And I, and I agree with you on, on many points, not that last point. I mean, yes, I agree with that point as well, for sure. But I, I agree um, on the fact that, you know, you've got to continue to grow. Once you stop uh, having that thirst for learning, you need to change mm-hmm. or you need to get out because that is, a, I think that's a key. And a lot of coaches, um, you know, again, we're paralleling this with, with coaches and what they do with their programs. Um, You've still got to have that passion and that love and, and those, those visions and those initiatives to keep you going. You got to have that drive. Um, so how do you all keep that drive? How do you keep that going? You know, you've had such a long career, but you are still very engaged and energetic in what you do. There are new challenges every day, right? I mean, none of us thought one of the top thousand things we were going to have to do is manage for two years through a pandemic. But those new challenges and knowing the importance of the university and seeing things you can accomplish and want to accomplish, I think, are important. You know, this year, we the state recognized us as a professional doctoral university. That's a big deal in the world of higher ed. That's a result of Frank's work for 30 years, growing quality uh, graduate programs. And And, you know, when you get to... When you uh, when, when the pot of gold is found at the end of the rainbow, that's when you kind of can can take a breath and say, "Okay, maybe this is a good time to to let the next group of folks build on the great work that we've been doing." Yes, and I would say that there is a level of competitiveness in in both of you as well. You want to be competitive, and that drives you. We, we want to be better. and stubbornness. Would we go there as well? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. I would say we're not competitive with each other. Of course not. Uh, not at all, which I think uh, Cliff spoke to it earlier. Uh, you know, we didn't have ambitions. I don't want his job. 
I who would? <laughs> and I sure don't want Frank's. Uh, you, you know, but uh, at the same time, we want to make things better, and we competitive in how we do that. And I do believe that um, overall, uh, it's exciting to come to work every day because, as was already mentioned. Uh, it's it's different every day. Yeah. There is no day that you can look at your calendar and still know what you're going to do right. because that isn't going to work, and that's exciting, really. That is. You have to be flexible in education. That is for sure. All right, so now I, you know, number, number three on the list is to treat stakeholders with care and respect, and I feel like we've, we've really touched on that with some of your answers. So I want to go on to number four, um, lead with differentiated motivation. So we've heard of differentiated assessments, differentiated instruction, differentiated motivation is a little different because you have to get to know your team. You have to get to know what makes them tick, what inspires them. Everyone is going to be motivated differently and effective leaders have to take the time to know their team well enough to know how to get the most out of them to reach their highest potential. And so how do you feel like uh, you use differentiated motivation each day? I mean, some people you can be very blunt with, some people, you got to comb their hair just a little bit when you want something out of them. So tell us a little bit about differentiated motivation and how you use that as a leader. Actually, uh, my team has a lot of self-motivation among the individuals. Uh, it hasn't always been that way. And yet I find that they are very self-motivated because they're looking at how their unit can be competitive and and really be attractive to students and you know satisfy the needs of the stakeholders that they're dealing with. So I don't really have to hold a carrot out in many respects to to the deans that I work with. Uh, I do have to understand though what they have as their different strengths. I mentioned this, but it's not so much that I'm motivating them; it's that allowing them to do what they're best at doing, and then guiding once in a while along the way. Uh, I, you know, money never comes into the picture with, with them, uh, except if it's for their unit, but it's not a personal thing. Uh, it, um, and, you know, can I, can I do this for the students has always been the way this level of people have worked at Missouri State University. You know, when I, um, I coach both my boys playing baseball, and um, uh, up until they were 12 years old, and then they were better than I was, and, <laughs> and they went on and played somewhere else. But, but, but a part of that, you're exactly right, Jenny, is different players are motivated differently. There are kids that if you jacked them up and, and, and were aggressive with them, played better, and there were others that would, if you did that to they would not be able to play the rest of that game and might not come back the next game. They'd melt like butter. Exactly. <laughs> and so you do have to, you know, so a piece of that is um, knowing when uh, to be more confrontational uh, as opposed to just supportive, knowing those that want to get into the details with you, whereas if others, if you got into the details with them, assuming things are going well, they would think you didn't trust them. And so there, there is a, a knowledge of your people that helps you manage them. Now, having said that, you know, one of the things that, that I've tried to build in the last 11 years among our whole team 
while it's important to have people of all different backgrounds and demographics because they bring different experiences and that, that enriches the conversation you have, I have always wanted people that had mostly the same leadership style. And so if, if I'm going to talk about kindness and if I'm going to talk about openness and transparency and building consensus, then the people at that next level have to operate that way or people hear me as listen to me. And when I say that they will say, well, that's not really true because that's not what my life is like working at the university. And so, so again, when you, when you really hire good people that, that all come about it at, from we're not empire building, we want what's best for the university. And I think everyone on my team has that attitude. Well, then, as Frank said, it's not really about motivating them. It's just figuring out what the what the best working relationship is. And, and you're right, it's not the same with every person. It's not. It's not. And you've got to take the time and energy to figure that out. Exactly. And, and some leaders, um, sorry to be uh, blunt, but they're too lazy to do that. They're They're punching a clock. So to be effective, you've got to be able to put in the time, the energy to get to know those people. And you've got to be cognizant that when you've made a mistake, not to repeat it. Right. Right. F- right. Figure out, Learn. well, that, you know, when I when I was more blunt with someone, well, my chief of staff, Ryan DeBoof, great guy, easy to work with. I can say or do anything to him in any tone, and he's not going to be offended. That is not necessarily true of everyone on my team. And so, again, it's making sure you're – interacting with folks in a way that is going to be encouraging and positive and help them get stuff done. Well said, very well said. I would add to that slightly that uh, I think uh, at this stage in my life in the last 10 years, I'm much more even keel than I was uh, if I would have gone 30 years ago at at this same exact position where I was a little more um, get excited and say things I shouldn't say. (laughs) I'm much more even keel now. So my chief of staff told me, and he's worked for me for eight years, great chief of staff, great government relations guy, said, uh, Cliff, working for you today is very different than it was working for you five years ago. And so a piece of that is, as Frank said, I think we get more comfortable with where we are. We figure things out more. We continue to grow. Things don't bother us at the same level that they did. So you're able to manage things with, you know, without losing your cool, et cetera. And, and what a valuable asset to have someone on your team that can speak their mind like that and feel comfortable and have that trusting relationship. That's, that's fantastic. All right. Well, so number five on the list, um, you know, is, is, it's kind of like, you know, saying Mufasa to a bunch of hyenas. Um, it, it kind of makes administrators shudder when you talk about finances. But, but one of the fifth thing that I think that, that people do is they budget, um, their time and their resources to the team's best interest. So when I, when I talk about resources, with you all, your your mind immediately goes to money because you, you're talking money all the time. You're trying to maneuver money, and uh, I'm going to give you a break from that. We're going to talk a little bit more about budgeting your time because I think that you, as an effective leader, you have to invest also in your team. You have to invest those times. But you also have to find some balance. You've got to have your own serenity. In order to be effective all the time, you can't just go 100% work, work, work. You've got to be able to plug in and recharge yourself. So let me ask you, each of you, what do you do for your therapy outside of your job? Well, so seven or eight years ago, um, Gail, my wife, helped me figure out that um, we needed to take breaks. 
right? Because uh, the president's job as an external job is your president all the time. You're at the grocery store and people want to tell you about their kids that went to college here or talk football. Until recently, that was not a positive topic usually. And so you're, you're president all the time where you are in Springfield. And so one of the ways we figured out to kind of decompress is bought a little bitty place in Florida and at least four times a year, and I'm pretty good at this, we just get away and I'm not president in Florida. I'm one of the people that's in a friend group that, that lives in a community and, and that really kind of helps me recharge and I'm a better person than when I come back after taking a break, whether it's for four days or for a week and a half. Get to be Cliff the man, not just Cliff the president. Yep. And that does that's a shift in mindset that's very healthy. So I'm very glad. So kudos to Gail for making you do that. I think that's tremendous. And kudos to you for being receptive for that because I think that's hard sometimes when you are so passionate about your job um, to take those breaks. But you come back with such elevated mental clarity when you do things like that. And so that is wonderful. What about you, Dr. Einhalig? My church activities are a major um, consoling factor, uh, emotional strengthening factor, and, um, you know, simply feeling that um, I have a communion with uh, the Lord and with other people that is totally unrelated to the university, totally unrelated in every aspect. Uh, I can't even explain that I do work summers you know, with some of my colleagues in, in, in that activity. Uh, and I am a minister. And, and so occasionally I have to work at, uh, finding the right words on a Sunday, but, um, that's, that's a major part of my life and my family's life. Um, and it is quite separate from uh, the business of what we do on a day to day basis. On the other side, I think it helps us it helps me want to live what I do on the day-to-day basis in a way that makes some sense. Uh, family, and of course, is always important, and uh, it's uh, been a difficulty since uh, I lost my wife a few years back. Uh, but I do have an extended family, and I like to visit them. And Cliff always tells me to go more than I do, uh, <laughs> but uh, I will be doing a little more of that. And I think the third thing that I would mention is uh, I do enjoy work and physical work is different than university work. And so I'm always doing something that people call me crazy. And why are you doing that? You know, why do you even work on your car and change your own oil and a few things like that? You know, but it's a diversion that I don't really mind unless somebody told me I had to do You do, do that? You change your own oil? No, yes. There we go. All right. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to do yours, Jenny. I was gonna... <laughs> well, that was my next question. All right. <laughs> okay, we're, we're, thank you for, for proving my vision correct for this show. I wanted to talk about the parallels and how Coach Smart and Coach Einelik run Missouri State University. Um, before we get into our post-game talk, I want to talk with Dr. Einhelic, and I want to play um, a segment called Fast Five. And we're going to do this um, in probably about a minute. So as quick as the first thing that comes to mind. All right. Are you ready? You up for it? No, but go ahead. (laughs) How do you define someone that lives their life like a champion? Uh, I guess very successful. 
Yeah, that's a great one. That's a great answer. What's your secret to longevity? Um, liking what I do and trying to watch a few habits, I think, that um, give me a little better chance at longevity. But more often than anything else, it's genetics. There we go. If you could go back to that first-year science teacher, Shawnee Mission, and give him advice, knowing what you know now, what would you tell him? Well, I would tell him that enjoy that first year, because if you don't try to enjoy that one, you'll never get beyond the first year. Very good point. All right, what is the first thing you notice about people when you see them? That's a little harder. That is hard. Uh, um, I think I notice... Uh, Actually, probably the, the physical characteristics that most people would, you know, heights and overall appearance. Yes. Okay, the hardest question for last. Are you ready? How yes. in the world is Cliff Smart going to survive without you? There are a lot of good people out there. I've always known, and I think we always have to recognize, that um, there are, you're never replaceable. Um, people can do the job. Um, he'll survive fine. If he makes a good choice. And, uh, you know, Frank's going to still be around. And we'll uh, continue to lean on him as we uh, move into the post-Frank Einhillig age at Missouri State. Well, the dynamic duo. I appreciate you all being here tonight. Thanks so much for spending time with us on A Coach's Perspective. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. We're going to move into our post-game talk. And uh, we're is sponsored by Story Construction. Story Construction. This is high-quality high industrial and commercial construction since 1966. Go to story.com, S-T-O-R-E-E.com. Next week, University of Arizona women's basketball, the current national runner-up, Coach Ada Barnes is going to be joining us, and we're going to enjoy that conversation. Um, all right, let's go into our post-game talk, retirement. You know, we celebrated a stellar career with my guest tonight, and I appreciate the mark that he left in the educational world, and in particular at Missouri State University. So now my challenge this week for you is he did not leave his mark by just punching the clock in and out. He treated his position as a lifestyle, a balanced lifestyle. Examine your view on what you are doing to leave an impact. Are you clocking in and clocking out and just checking boxes? Or are you focusing on each and every day having substance, production, and growth? Are you seeing? Are you hearing? Are you feeling what you do? And are you passionate about the results and the future successes? you embrace failures and adversities as opportunities? Some say work to live. Some say live to work. If you love your job and you're passionate about it, there are no lines. Love what you do. Love why you do it and how you do it. Because that's how champions do it. And that's how these gentlemen have done it. So I'm going to tell you as I do each and every week. Be a good human and live your life like a champion. Live like a human champion. It's Jenny Hopkins. This has been A Coach's Perspective.